Everyone experiences challenges in life, and there are going to be times when you feel like giving up. Let me share the secrets to success through adversity. Deaf from birth and challenged in many ways, I learned to look at life differently and found success. Life will never give you cotton candy, so stop looking for it. Join my podcast and learn the secrets of success through adversity. Stop making excuses and start taking action. I'm your host, Jordan Lavin. Welcome to All Good Things Start With You. Welcome to Jordan Lavin Daily. Welcome to All Good Things Start With You. I have David here with me, and David is going to share his story with us and his journey of being diagnosed with cerebral palsy since birth, highlighting many struggles in the education system and successes as a former three-sport athlete, three-time state champion cyclist, and currently a middle school teacher with CP. He shares his stories with others around the world to show that there is a light among all the challenges behind it. Welcome, David. It's an honor to have you on the podcast. Thank, thank you. I appreciate it. And of course, we are collaborating today. So this is Jordan. He's the he's a, a podcaster, a motivational speaker, owner of a CrossFit business, uh, wake surf, surfer. And also, I'd like to mention that his podcast is called All Good Things Start With You. So I'm looking forward to learning about his journey, how he's overcome all these obstacles despite his impairment. And we're just going to have a good time. I'm excited. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is uh, a very unique situation that we can both be on this together and share our stories. To kind of start out, um, give me a brief rundown of, of your diagnosis. How were you diagnosed with um, your hearing impairment? So when I was born, I was born three months premature, 11 inches and 31 ounces. This was back in 1976, where this was before they tested for hearing. During those first four months of my life, I was in a hospital on a respirator. And during those four months, I had many complicated, potentially life-ending surgeries. Doctors only gave me a 10 chance of survival. And through those long, rocky four months, obviously, I made it. However, to fast forward just a little bit, because doctors told my parents that I might not be able to walk, I might not be able to speak, I might have some physical disabilities. But what happened was my parents were so focused on my physical development that perhaps they missed the hearing portion of it. So they did not find out about my hearing loss until I was two and a half years old. So for most kids or babies at that age are already hearing and possibly speaking at that age, but I wasn't. So when we found out about the hearing loss, my parents were obviously very devastated. 
And they were like, okay, well, what do we have to do? What are my options? And that kind of began the journey of what's the best route for me to go. And my parents chose to teach me how to speak and listen. And obviously that was a very long journey from that day forward. That that is that is awesome. Um, the fact that your your parents were were willing to find any way that they could to to help you, especially with now nowadays you have so many so much adaptive technology and assistance that for you it makes it easier to just go about life. And I know I know you growing up, it was it must have it must have been slightly difficult to just go through through life knowing that you have. Not not one diagnosis, but two diagnoses, and then um, and then to kind of go on that, how was it growing up with you? Did you struggle in school? Was school normal for you? How were your? Did you have a lot of friendships? I love I love and I appreciate that question because I interesting enough, I was seventeen when I was diagnosed as being ADHD. So growing up in school was very, very difficult because not only was I ADHD, but I did not have any understandable speech and yet alone I wasn't able to hear. So the formative years of schooling was quite complicated. And the best way to put this in perspective, you've got this little boy sitting in a classroom trying to read lips with the teacher. But if the teacher turned their back to write something on the blackboard, I would never get it. So my parents came up with the concept of at the end of each day, that's after school, my parents, my mom, my mom would say to the teacher, hey teacher, what did you guys do today? And she would write everything down word for word and everything that we did in the school. We would then go home, my dad would come home from work, and my mom and I, the three of us, would sit down and go over every single thing that was taught in that class, classroom, again, and again, and again, until I was able to comprehend what was being said. And that was just my elementary school experiences. Now, to answer the question about friendships, I was basically pushed into the wolves, I was pushed to into kind of adapt in in be one like everybody else. I was taught from the very beginning to be assimilated into regular schools. I mean, I went to regular, uh, regular elementary, middle school, and high school, and I still have my core group of five friends that I've had ever since elementary school. And if you would ask those group of friends. How I was is they didn't treat me any different than anybody else. I was just one of the boys hanging out. In the end, I never asked for them to, to treat me any different. And that was the whole point of what my parents wanted me to not think of my disability as a disability, but to think of my disability as an ability to be able to uh, cheer that and, and not downplay it. And, you know, it doesn't matter what disability you have. It's how you, 
how do you get the people you are with comfortable with you when they won't even think anything of it? And I'm gonna, I'm not gonna put words in your mouth, but I have a feeling that might have been a similar-ish experience with you, or maybe not. That is that is a uh, very awesome. I uh, I know for for me it was pretty much uh, kind of similar, but a little bit different. So I'm excited to share about that later on. Um, and I know you go through your schooling. You obviously you have your. Um, I, I'm not sure if you do, but I, I feel like you have your degree since you've accomplished all these things. Uh, tell me how you got into CrossFit, into motivational speaking, into all these ventures. How, how was it for you getting into into the, these uh, so these, uh, ventures for you? So for me, I I have such a great drive to be the best I can be given my abilities. And we talk about all good things start with you. It is all about taking action. And basically for me is, I'm not gonna say, I'm basically what I'm, what I'm getting at is from the time I graduated Michigan State, I knew I didn't want to work for anybody because I grew up in a entrepreneurial family where my father, He's an optometrist, but he's been an optometrist, you know, for 45 years. But during that time, he would always try different side hustles, side businesses. And I was able to see that, and I kind of emulated that. And for me to have that drive, and keep in mind, the drive comes from me growing up with the hearing loss and having to overcome these objections and understanding that never taking no for an answer is very important because a lot of times when we hear the word no, what do we think? Well, we back up and we say, that's it. We can't do anything. No, that's a load of whatever. It's, it comes down to if you want to get, to get somewhere, you have to always be asking questions. So backing up is your question, doing all these things is I got into CrossFit because I was training clients one-on-one, but I was looking for something that I could expand my horizons and CrossFit fit the bill when I saw what was going on. I saw the green light. I opened up in my parents' two-car garage in October of 2009, and I had no idea almost 12 years later that I would be in a 6,000 square foot workout facility helping people look good, feel good, and be a better version of themselves. And I think because I am, I'm not going to say that I'm easygoing, but I am easily approachable. I I, I can empathize with a lot of people because with my story, even your story, being in fitness is when they see what you've had to go through, they say to themselves, well, man, if he can do it, I can do it. So, and I'm not like pushing this on people. It's just my 
indeed she is who I am. I love helping people. And my motto has always been, if I can help one person a day, I'm happy. Yeah, that is an awesome motto to live by. The fact that you've made it this far is, is obviously incredible. Um, and I know that you, your, your podcast, I mean, your podcast, it really sticks out. I'll get things start with you. Where did you come up with the, the name and the idea? How did you, how did that become a part of you and a part of your audience as far as your podcast? I uh, love that question because, and we talked about this, we talked about this TVC. And for me, the biggest thing that people I always gripe about is taking the negative connotation of when someone says no, we tend to kind of hold back. And for me, it's always about how can I get to that point? But what I'm getting at is if I ask you your opinion on something and I ask somebody else their opinion on something, I ask a third person on their opinion, I am just gathering information. And then when I sit down and I say, okay, am I going to make the decision? Yes or no, but ultimately, who makes that decision? You do. So I realized, okay, well, in order to be successful in any endeavor, it doesn't matter what you're doing. It could be personal, business, family, relationships. It could be anything. All good things start with you, allow you to, in your brain, say to yourself, okay, if you want something to happen, then it's up to me. And the reality is, now is the time to take action. Not in one year, not in two years. If you have an idea, if you have a concept, if something you want to try, try it. What's the worst that can happen? Exactly. I can. I can totally agree with you and relate. You know what's, um, what's the reward if you if you can't if you're not willing to take the risk? You know, in anything in anything you do, and it seems like you've you've gone uh, through everything head on. And even though it's been even though it's been uh, difficult in some aspects, you've still been able to find a way to adapt and overcome. There's always a saying that I always tend to tell people: it's improvise, adapt, and overcome. And obviously, you've been able to do all three things and become really successful. Um, and then to kind of wrap everything up, how can people find you uh, as far as social media? Uh, learn more about you, and just, you know, just get to know you better. So for me, that's really good. Go to my website, jordanlovin.com. You can email me at jordan at jordanlovin.com. My Instagram is jordanlovin. Facebook is jordanlovin. Uh, LinkedIn is also jordanlovin. I am quite accessible. If you shoot me an email, I'll try to respond to you. It's a reasonable way if you want to send me a text. It's on the website. Send me a text. I'm happy to help. If you have any uh, upcoming uh, events coming up, struggling, struggle, struggling with anything, I have a program. It's called How to Develop 10 Good Habits. And the good habits, the number one most important habit that I practice is gratitude. Gratitude is the most important one out of my 10 Habits, and that's what I've been co coaching people on for years is, especially in the fitness industry, is how to be appreciative and develop good habits. 
I love that, my friend. I've, I've enjoyed listening to your story. I've enjoyed uh, listening to your journey. And you, you obviously, you know, you're obviously a, a true example of um, if, like I always say, you know, with my, um, my slogan, if I can do it, so can you. You obviously have that. You know, you've proven to people that if I can overcome these multiple impairments uh, and all of this in my life, then there's no excuse. You can do it too. You know, there's people out there that have no disabilities that don't push themselves, yet you see people like ourselves trying to do everything that we can to become successful. So awesome, awesome story. I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you, Jordan. Um, you guys can find this episode on iTunes, Spotify, any other major podcasting platform. And I also will put it up on YouTube as well. So thank you, Jordan. And remember, everyone, if I can do it, so can you. I love that. I love that. I love it. Great. Thank you. That was a blast. I hope we can do it again soon. Yeah, for sure. I'm excited. All right. So let's uh, let's uh, switch over to my questions for you. So, David, um, not only were you born with CP, but you also also experienced being put into special education as well as mainstream education. Please tell me and our listeners a little bit, a little bit about your formative years because you've had quite a journey. The follow up. Well, go ahead. My, my formative years were, were um, they were pretty rocky, especially uh, kind, of, kind of starting out in education. Um, when I was very, very young until I was the age of eight years old, I couldn't really read, write, or walk. Um, I kind of struggled. And as far as education, um, they, they thought, hey, you know, we can't do any of these things, so we'll just place them in special, in special ed. Um, this was at the time where, you know, my, my biological mom was still around. So, um, you know, being that, you know, she was a very young mom raising two, raising two children, one of them having CP, it's not always easy, but I always had very supportive parents, you know, and, and, uh, and the, the part of my, my biological dad and my, my stepmom, who they both, all three of them kind of worked together to help me kind of grow and become this this individual who has become successful, you know, with, with anything, you know, with when it comes to education or anything that I've always pursued. That is, I appreciate that because we have the similarities in that aspect of having the right support system. If you have the right support system and being fortunate to have your biological parents and your stepmom to be able to do that that's a very powerful thing because that you saw that and that allowed you to succeed. My follow-up question to that is, do you think your educational experiences as a child had an impact on your desire to become an educator? Oh, for, for sure. You know, I was always told um, when I was younger, um, you, you, you're never going to amount to anything, I was told by teachers directly um, in Puerto Rico that um, you're too slow, 
I don't want you in my classroom. He shouldn't, he shouldn't be here. Uh, all these negative things. But the one thing that I was always told is um, you have to believe in yourself, embrace your disability, and just take all that negativity and use it as motivation to really push yourself forward. So I never like, I never let it bring me down because the minute you let something so let people bring you down with their, their comments and what they say is the moment you, you fail, you know, you have to keep moving forward to win. That's all you know. I, I'm, I'm with you on that one. I have a very similar story. What I didn't mention before is when I was in elementary school, the principal of that elementary school did not want me in that school. And as you know, you know how my parents said, no, we're not going to let that happen. So the truth of it is, in order for that to happen, my parents had to sign a waiver to waive the right to, um, um, I could be wrong, I think it was IEP, IEP, which uh, basically had a specific program to follow. My parents had to sign up that we waived the right to do that. So that was allowed my parents to little bit, have a little bit more control of what I'm doing, well, pretty much 100% control of that situation. And uh, as we talked about, it wasn't easy. But that's a very um, interesting thing because we talked about it. When we're told no, we don't know what that means. We just got to say to ourselves, okay, what's next? How do we get past it? For us, I'm not going to say, for me, I'm not going to say it came easy, but it just, I would do, we didn't let that happen. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I mean, no, that's, that's the one thing is, um, when it comes to the school system, they're great, don't get me wrong, you know, you know, school school is great. Everything about education is great, but sometimes you have those few rotten apples that you deal with that'll always try to bring you down. And the best thing you can do is just uh, just keep moving forward. Don't let their negativity get to you, and just uh, prove them wrong through your through your educate through your success and the education. You know, through your grades, the way that you present yourself. You know, if you present yourself as a happy positive person you 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 can't imagine how many times i've had i've had people that have been negative to me in the education system and when they see me like so positive and happy they get so worked up like they're like you're not supposed to be like this you're not you're supposed to be miserable you're supposed to hate yourself hate your disability feel sorry for yourself why are you not like this you know there, there is no reason to be like this you know I I love that. That's a very powerful statement. And and that's the thing. We talk for us and for me, there are there is no normal anymore. There never was a normal and too many people, especially the education system, have this what you call perceived notion of what, you know, we need to be, whether it's smart or, you know, physically active or it doesn't matter what it is. There's always this expectation that everybody gets compared to all these different people. But as we know, each one of us 
is our own unique individual. We have to find our own strengths within ourselves and highlight those strengths and don't worry about anybody else. Exactly. I, I feel the same way. You know, we just got to keep pushing forward. Not a care in the world. Exactly. Exactly. And so it took me a long time to to understand that last part of not worrying about what other people think and just focus on what you what you want to do and how you do it. So you mentioned you mentioned your biological parents and your uh, stepmom, but who or what was your driving force to keep pushing forward? Do you think that it's an attribute uh, that it's a part of you or somewhat or something instilled in you to help you? Well, um, as I was growing up, unfortunately, I had I had struggled with a tragedy in my family. Uh, my biological mom ended up passing away when I was eight years old, and then fortunately, something great came out of it. Uh, my stepmom, uh, she stepped in the day of uh, my biological mom's funeral, and she said, um, "This this child has a future, and without me in it." I don't think he'll be able to live a normal life. So she said on herself at the same age, she was 23 when she when my ugly mom passed away. And then my stepmom was the same age. So she, at 23, she made the decision to take care of me and raise me and to give me the life that I would possibly uh, never have. Because as you know, to, to raise a child with a disability, sometimes it takes a whole, you know, takes a tag team, you know, takes a, you know, luckily with my, my, my dad and my stepmom together, who's fortunately is my mom. Now I consider her my, my full mom because he's raised me for, for my whole life. Right. Uh, they both were able to uh, be my driving force as far as different characteristics. You know, um, my, my, my mom now was always, she was more of the tough love kind of mom. You know, I don't want you to feel sorry for yourself. My pity box is broken. You can do anything you want to do if you believe yourself and don't pity yourself all the time. And if somebody tells you no, you just keep pushing forward. You know, don't don't let them bring you down. You know, and that's, that's one of those things that you have to... Um, and sometimes... It's always good to listen to parents, especially when they're giving you good advice and to help help you out in life. That is so powerful because being fortunate to help that mom in, in your life to give you that tough love is is astronomical. And I wish there were I wish there were more of those around for those others who are struggling. And I always tell people. If you can't necessarily find within your family you, to reach out to other people, don't be afraid to ask others for help. And I think that is something that people tend to kind of hold back and are afraid to ask for help. And I always say it's okay. Ask for help and it will help you get to where you want. I definitely I def agree. Um, as, as I was Growing up, uh, my mom would always be there, and um, she was there when I took my first steps, which was actually my biological mom's dream, was to see me walk. But 
unfortunately, she missed it by three months. So I literally walked three months after her funeral. But I I knew that um, she would always she would always be she would always see what I was doing, and just um, I knew that she saw me walk. So I wasn't I wasn't really uh, too worried about that. And I'm glad I took those first three steps because those first three steps defined started defining my journey. And where would I be? Where would I be today? Absolutely, absolutely. It again it comes down to all good things start with you. You made that decision to take those first three steps. Now that leads to my next question: How did you get involved in sports? You're such an accomplished athlete. I actually got involved in sports while living in Puerto Rico at the time. So I started around the age of eight with uh, with baseball. They didn't have a league with uh, kids with different disabilities at the time. So my my mom now she kind of started this uh, this league along with several individuals that were wanting to to partner up and start the league together. Um, she started this baseball league. So that's how I kind of got involved. I was a poster child of the league, so everybody kind of knew who I was, and I kind of started that, that trend of bringing kids with disabilities together so that they can play sports. And the thing with, with sports and disabilities is it allows those kids that, can't, that have difficulty being social outside of sports or any, any realm to be able to be social and meet other kids and have fun and be physically active and just uh, be a kid. Be a, norm, be a normal kid for once and not have to worry about being judged, you know? I, you got, you've, you've got a mother that is incredible and I can obviously, I can obviously relate to that because we both have a set of, you know, parents that were incredible. I mean, now I can see why you were so involved in sports because you became their poster child once you became that poster child, you were just like, let me just keep going. Let me show all these people what you can do regardless of any kind of, you know, mental or physical disabilities. And that's, uh, that's, that's, that's incredible. Which, my next question now is, how did you get into triathlons? Uh, well, I got into, uh, well, cycling, uh, so to say. Um, I got into that while I was playing baseball. Um, I actually got into that when I moved to Florida, uh, which was about 20, 20 or so years ago. I got into the the uh, Special Olympics and I competed. I competed in Florida in baseball and in cycling, and I got into that because at the time. My my idol was was Lance Armstrong because I was a big I was a big fan of his, and then I kind of started enjoying cycling. So I kind of wanted to model myself to be like him. <laughs> so you know, being the competitor, you know, the from from the the competition aspect of it to even even wearing the same gear, you know, the postal service gear that he wore, and then just hearing a story about how he overcome overcame cancer was just awesome. You know, at the time, you know, he was a big celebrity. So I always wanted to model myself like him. But at the end of the day, I wanted to kind of be my own 
individual and stand out and let people know this is who David is. He's he's a cyclist. He's he's a hard worker. He's willing to put his team first and just um, just compete to the best of my ability. And that's how I've kind of won the three state championships that I've won as a cyclist. And I also became a Paralympic prospect. So back in 2011, so I had Paralympic scouts kind of see how I was and they wanted to, they invited me to try out to the Paralympic organization up in Tampa. Wow. And uh, so that's, I mean, that's incredible. The fact that you didn't let any of your physical limitation bother you, the fact that you, like, for both of us in that sense, you know, would you see the goal or the end result of what you want to accomplish? You can kind of reverse engineer back what you need to do to be able to get to that point. I mean, the fact that you did that, that's incredible. Um, and and um, so how do you think, how, do you, how important is it for those with physical disabilities to implement movement and exercise in their lives and why? Oh yeah, it's uh, to me it's extremely important because uh, as someone with CP, if if you're not physically active, the diagnosis actually gets worse. So as you age, if you're not physically fit, a lot of symptoms you have now can get progressively can get progressively worse. So I kind of started uh, working out at a very young age, around fourteen. And so while, while your diagnosis doesn't go away, working out reduces the, the process of, uh, de- of, of decline on your body. So the wear and tear kind of slows down. And then you're able, as long as you work out, you're able to kind of slow down the process. And if you keep maintaining it, you have a better chance of having longer um a longer shelf life, so you're not um, you're not um, at risk of ending up in a wheelchair or developing some sort of um, you know another another impairment where it impairs you to walk or do uh, your daily living task. So um, I kind of I started that because um, I had a at a around fourteen fifteen I had the I went to a doctor. And I, at the time, I wasn't working out at all. I was, you know, just playing, doing my own thing, playing video games all day, being lazy. Uh, the only thing I did was just play sports, but I wasn't really physically active, you know? I only, I let the sports uh, get in shape, but I wasn't in shape outside of the sports. So uh, my doctor said, you have to change your lifestyle and, or else you could end up back in, back in a wheelchair. So that was kind of a wake-up call for me, and that allowed me to kind of uh, sit back, reflect, and figure out what I had to do to uh, improve myself physically to where, that to, to where I'm at today. That's, the, again, you're the one who took the action, you took your doctor's advice, and you realized that it was something you had to do. And I know it was not easy, and I can't imagine how many times you had to try any exercise or any movement to be able to do it. I mean, the fact that you're able to get out of bike 
you can have a bike and do that. That's 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 quite incredible. Uh, quite incredible. What's the most rewarding part of being in middle school teaching? Oh, the most rewarding part is when you hear students. Uh, they tell you thank you for um, for taking the time to help them, for uh, showing that they have more potential than what they think they they have. Because uh, when you're a middle school student, there's a lot of self doubt. You know, you tend to be, you feel like you can't, you're not good enough at doing something or that people, that a lot of your peers judge you a lot, which um, over the last four years uh, as, a, as an assistant teacher, I've seen a lot of that, you know, but with the right mindset and the right, dire- the right direction and the right uh, support system, especially if you're a child that doesn't have it at home, but you have it at school. Take advantage, take this opportunity to really um, empower and motivate the student and tell them that they're worth it, that they're worth it and they're appreciated. And that every little thing that they do, that they do very well, deserves a celebration. Their their mindset, having their mindset and and be able to teach that to the students is about probably the best thing that a teacher can do for the students. So keep keep going at that. Don't stop. <laughs> Don't stop. Keep doing it. How do you um? What do you do to unwind, to decompress with all the things you have going on? How do you keep yourself grounded? I usually like to um. I, I like to be outdoors. You know, whether taking a hike or just enjoying the weather if it's not too hot because florida we all know it gets ridiculously hot it's like right now it's like 100 degrees for the next week and uh i I just love being outdoors i'm also a a gamer so i love to play pc and playstation games you know i'm I'm one of those individuals and i just love hanging out with uh, my friends and my family whenever i get the chance wonderful wonderful what what brings you the most joy? All the things you do, what, what brings you the most joy? What makes you happy? Well, first and foremost, uh, my, my family. And then uh, and then that would be my, my students, especially when I get to see them every day and they get to see them successful. And then interviewing individuals like yourself, especially on my podcast, getting to know your story, uh, your experiences, I think that's the best, that's the best part of, um, you know, that brings me joy is just hearing that positivity come out of every individual I meet, you know, because there's a, if there's one thing we have in common is that we're willing to do anything to be successful. That was dynamite. That was powerful. Last question, kind of a summary of everything, but what are you most grateful for? My family. Um, the fact that I'm actually I'm, I'm alive and healthy despite the current situation we're in right now. Um, also, uh, the fact that I'm, I'm able to entertain, inspire, and motivate a lot of individuals, not just close to me, but around the world. Not many people are in 
my situation. So I feel very fortunate. So I feel like that would definitely be, be it. Thank you, Dave. Thank you so much for sharing that. I mean, hearing your story and the listeners and the viewers who are watching and listening, we've got a wonderful individual here in David. And I want you to know that between him, you, David, and me, between the two of us, we know what it takes to get things done. We know what it takes to inspire people and we and to summarize, David, it's just nothing is beyond our reach. That if you set your mind to do something, you can make it happen. So thank you, David. Uh, it's been an absolute pleasure. We've been talking for almost an hour. And hopefully we can do this again in, in, in another year and see where we're at. Definitely, I, I would, I would definitely like, to, uh, I would like to for sure, for sure. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. Please check out my website for more great content at jordanlovin.com.